Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 142 of Impact Boom. My name is Nicoline Arns, founder at Nicnic, and I'm passionate about bringing you the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today we're speaking with Dr. Andres Morales. Andres is the co-founder and managing director of Minka Ventures Limited and living in Minka, and a doctor in social enterprise and social and solidarity economy. He has international experience working as both a researcher and consultant in more than 40 countries. Beyond his empirical work, Andres has published many pieces of research that includes journals and books. He has also designed and delivered a social enterprise MOOC program that reached out to more than 40,000 beneficiaries in 180 countries. Hello Andres, thank you very much for joining us. Hello Nikki. thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be part of this Impact Boom social enterprise episode. Thank you um, very much. Thank you. Could you please share a bit about your background and what led you to working in the social enterprise sector? Sure. You know, as you said, uh, and as you were describing in the bio, I'm actually a doctor in social economy and social enterprises, but I define myself as a hybrid individual because uh, in my work, I try to integrate the best of different worlds. For instance, the practitioner, the academic, the change maker, the adventurous, the professional, the teacher, the student one, because we keep learning from others, you know. Mm -hmm. We keep learning from different social entrepreneurs around the world. And uh, Minka is a clear example of it, you know. We, we haven't only tried to showcase and promote the sector, but also we, we've been trying to educate people about the social enterprise sector by bringing stories, stories that are built by a very rigorous research methods that demonstrates the, that social entrepreneurs not only are changing people's lives, but also transforming the economy sector, by integrating the social and environmental ingredient within a sector which is proved to be efficient. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure everybody has a story to tell in terms of why we ended up in the sector, but uh, I think be socially and environmentally driven. I think it's embedded in our human being persona, you know. I believe that everybody has um, kind of embedded the will to deliver good, but they haven't yet been stimulated enough, you know. So people like us who work in this sector are lucky to be exposed by such a noble attitude as they've had the chance to connect with others and with our own inner social oriented spirit. I think, you know, like I've been so I've been working in the social enterprise sector since I was little because I guess 
before I wasn't aware that the social enterprise sector exists, you know. I started as a volunteer in a charity back home in Colombia, and we were developing projects to make the charity self-sustainable and try to give up the charitable syndrome, you know. We were trying to integrate these entrepreneurial elements in order to create social impact. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, uh, since I've been working in the sector for many years, people's stories is what really has driven me to be working in and to still working in the social enterprise sector. I mean, particularly working with those actors which are invisible, people who started from zero and then today are heroes, you know. Uh, You know, I know there are a lot of people who use this phrase and they claim it's a cliche phrase. And that everybody sides when they have to. But since I've been visiting social enterprises initiatives from all over the world, particularly grassroots organizations, this experience has given me the opportunity to look into the sector from a wider perspective. You know, simply because I've had the chance to, to see how people operate face to face. So I think I've been nurtured by people's experience. And that is why I'm still working in every day for in the social enterprise sector and I'm working hard for a better world. And, you know, for instance, funny enough, today we were told that we've been granted a funding scheme through the British Council DICE program to develop an upcycling program in South Africa in partnership with a South African grassroots organization. So, you know, this job never ends and... <laughs> That's good news. That's what we want to know. <laughs> Could you please tell us more about living in Minka and the impact that you're creating? Actually, the Minka name is actually rooted in an ancestral indigenous practice widely exercised in Latin America today. It's well known as Minga or Minka with K or Minka with C, but Minka consists in a natural and spontaneous collective way to work based on solidarity and reciprocity principles. And basically, this is the world that we want to see and we experience. Living in this kind of collective world with people are working hard to make the world better and based on solidarity and reciprocity. And it comes out um, spontaneously. Minka is still practiced by indigenous people and it has been practiced for more than 500 years that demonstrates that it's possible. So it's no ideology, it's, it's something which is actually happening, it's practice-based, and people are doing amazing things everywhere in the world in their own way. So far, we've been to more than 40 countries and visited and video-recorded and consoled more than 400 social enterprises, and we've produced a large number of video case studies that are actually available in our YouTube channel. We've published academic articles and more recently a book that is part of a trilogy that we're still writing. Uh, We produce a film, which is called Memoirs of Solidarity. We developed what we called a participatory video-based social enterprise nomad school. And we co-designed with other partners a social enterprise MOOC program that so far had more than 50,000 learners from 190 countries. Minka is actually registered as a social enterprise in the UK. We got our own social enterprise located in the creative economy and the profit that we made through all these services 
we reinvested in our living Minka platform. Mm -hmm. And so far, we could say that our impact has been worldwide. In fact, we recently published a paper with the MOOC that we created, and it's incredible to see how many organizations and individuals have been encouraged to create their own projects, inspired by our tool programs and our MOOCs, our videos, and they've been stimulated by this. Hence, we could say that uh, we have been encouraging new people to get into the sector. We have encouraging new people to survive and basically to sustain or even scale up their own organizations. So, um, as well as we stimulate people to enhance their own social and environmental spirit. So, it has been incredible. And since we've been working everywhere, we could tell that the impact happened worldwide. Yeah, that's really impressive. Maybe the impact is not even to be measured because it will just spread. You know, like when you measure impact, it's something that you could, you cannot measure immediately. I mean, it's something that you have to follow up and then eventually you can really look at what's going on and what did you manage. Because I think what we're doing, it's a, a long-term investment. Yeah. We don't know, and I think... Many people in the social enterprise sector are not really aware what we actually building. So let's see what happens. <laughs> I'm looking forward to see what impact comes back from that. Yeah. What are the biggest challenges you have seen in setting up your social enterprise and what are some examples how to work around them? This is a really good question, actually, because based on our experience, Social enterprises around the world face many challenges, you know, such as lack of professional human resources, business capacity, institutional pressure, charity syndrome, lack of funding, keeping the balance between the social and the economic objective, lack of resources to invest in marketing, financial pressures, difficulties to diversify the business, lack of innovation and so on. But, you know, there are many and multiple issues. However, we need to look this into a more holistic approach because the thing is, as social enterprises is not a homogenous thing. The people do not operate similarly, if you wish. Hence, it depends on the country that you are based. They might face like similar difficulties or similar issues, but also varies. So what I'm trying to say is um, it depends where you are based. What I mean is that the social enterprise organizational behavior isn't the same in all societies. For instance, here in the UK, the sector is recognized legally. There is an official definition of what social enterprise is. There is a big social enterprise umbrella, which is um, Social Enterprise UK. Also, institutions such as the British Council have supported the social enterprise sector incredibly. They're doing an amazing job. So as School of Social Entrepreneurs Unlimited, there are many organizations that are working and they are nationally recognized. They are pretty advanced in their own model. But there are other regions that, you know, social enterprises are invisible. They are not even recognized. For instance, mm -hmm. the social and solidarity economy sector in Latin America, which is huge, hasn't yet recognized the social enterprise. And even though, for instance, Social enterprise uh, has been blamed to be a neoliberal approach. That is why in so many countries in Latin America, they haven't really 
encouraged the social enterprise sector. So what I'm trying to say is like it varies, you know, like it depends where you are. For instance, in China, although there are social enterprises by definition, because they operate looking to create a social and environmental value, they don't know that there are social enterprises. But also they are different from the others because they have this kind of communist gene. You know, they tend to be collective, you know, they have this kind of um, inclusive governance forms, they have autocracy leadership and so on. So it's very interesting. So it's in order to see and to say what challenges social enterprises are facing worldwide, we need first to look into each context, each society, because it varies. Mm -hmm. Even within, within the UK, for instance, there are regional challenges, there are local challenges, there are national challenges. And what would you advise like to work around these like maybe more on a local level? So you search similarities with the local social enterprise that you see. That's an excellent question. Actually, from our perspective, and I'm talking on behalf of me and my colleagues in, in Minka because basically we are scholars, I think the key is to integrate different stakeholders, including academia. Because if you want to transform institutions at local, at national level, you really need to look into a proper rigor research. I mean, you really need to look into statistics, uh, measure your impact properly and efficiently. You really need to explore the indicators. In other words, you have to prove that you are contributing to the economy. So based on this, you need a bigger megaphone, if you like, right? Mm -hmm. Such as universities or even like bigger institutions because they have already the platform to tell these policymakers that there are people who are making this. We tend to be rigorous in terms of research because, okay, look, it's very important to be passionate about the sector, but also it's very important to look into this critically. I mean, it's amazing what they're doing. We need to take it seriously because it's very efficient, it's sustainable, and they are actually integrating entrepreneurial elements and they are contributing to the economy. Hence, we have all the elements to tackle the institutional barriers. The key, you know, for local organizations or grassroots organizations is to enhance the local networking. They go to bigger institutions, which hopefully they are not politically involved, which means they don't have their own agenda in terms of politics, but rather they have their own research agenda, if you wish. So it's important to go there and see think tanks, big organizations, universities, people who have a bigger platforms in order to look into what they're doing already. Hence, to create like these kind of partnerships is extremely effective. So, for instance, we've been working with indigenous communities in Colombia, and there is one which is called the MISAC. One of their organizations, they partnered with a local university, and they have developed amazing projects just by widening their stakeholders and networking. So, for instance, they were basically treating a problem that they have with agriculture and in an onion disease, and they gather and they kind of co-create a program, and it's actually working. And then from there, because they were working with a big university, they were managed to publish, and then they published, it was approved for something else, and, you know, they, they kind of influence the policy making. So what I'm trying to say is very important to, to make strategic partnerships with people who are rigorous in terms of 
measuring impact at local level. Yeah, really good. Thank you for that. You recently wrote a book with Sara Calvo and Yanni Sikidis, Social and Solidarity Economy, the world's economy with a social face. Like you mentioned already, it's actually a trilogy that you're still working on the other parts. And one of the things you explain in the books are the strengths and weaknesses of social enterprise initiatives across four continents. You write about the circular economy, social propaganda, social enterprise, NGOs, and new social movements. Can you please share a bit with us about what you see as these new social movements? Yeah, well, actually, in our book, we depict a global map. Been basically traveling the world, we bring into the table different case studies. And when we looked into these, they are basically divided into themes or topics, if you wish which includes organizations that are working with the environment, others that they work within the creative economy, others that they work in the solidarity economy, others that they have time banks, complementary currencies, and so on and so forth. You know, the definition of social movement is that it finished when their objective achieved. Then they transform into something else, such as organizations, trade unions, trade unions, NGOs, and so on. So we actually go into what social movement is as a definition, but then we basically propose that new communities are based upon worldwide with the introduction of technology, because now you can see new communities that they connect to each other from all over the world. You know, the big communities are based upon social enterprise principles, and they, because they are using entrepreneurial elements. So what we try is to discuss that they emerged from social movements, but what we're doing is a new way to perceive communities because it's incredible how people connect to each other, even though from different locations. You explained before already a little bit about the structure and the legal recognition of social enterprise in the UK. Uh, how do you compare this with other countries? Good. Well, you know, UK has a very well-established social enterprise sector. I mean, of course, there is always a scope of improvement, as I said before. I mean, they've been doing, like, a lot of good work. They actually influence the development of the social enterprise sector in different contexts. Mm -hmm. For instance, Ethiopia. The Ethiopian social enterprise sector is rooted in the UK social enterprise model. Mm -hmm. But it's important to understand that social enterprise as practice and as a definition is rooted in the UK's context. And according to the literature, it's business-like, which means it's strongly influenced by, you know, this kind of entrepreneurial spirit, but with a social and environmental objective. When you compare with other societies, it's difficult because, for instance, if we're going to talk about the social enterprise sector in Latin America or perhaps in Southeast Asia, we need to really look into what the context offer, because you might find social enterprises that are actually inspired by these UK institutions that promote and encourage and stimulate the sector. Nonetheless, there are other similar practices, but they are basically influenced by other elements, their own culture or their own sector, for instance, the solidarity economy sector in Colombia. So I reckon the key is to learn from the best what the UK's scenario has to offer and integrate these into existing sectors within the other countries. I think it's very interesting how, you know, these 
Um, organizations and umbrellas are in a way supported by the state and kind of enhance and stimulate the sector, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I think that, for instance, uh, such organizations and umbrellas are really an, an example for other countries. I think the British Council, Social Enterprise UK, Unlimited, Socialist Groups of, of entre Social Entrepreneurs, it's amazing. I've been doing an excellent job and they, they are really good and very coherent and cohesive institutions that they are encouraging others. So I think we, we can basically export uh, some ideas, what they're doing well there, in order to improve and enhance their own methods which means to create like a hybrid um, sectors, if you wish. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, it's like uh, here in Barcelona as well, there's a different movement, uh, more based as well in the culture of the cooperatives. So I think that exactly. take the strength from the communication and the, the structure maybe from, the, from Britain and apply to the culture that you're in, you know, because in the end needs to fit with the, the needs of, of your own <laughs> culture and your own country and your own people. So, yeah. Exactly. I mean, there is a really interesting paper written by a British scholar that he identified three social enterprise discourses. The first one is called the social entrepreneur hero, which is rooted in the U.S. culture. You know, the, the, the yeah. person, the individual who is able to transform the destiny of a society, you know, based upon their good leadership skills and so on. The second one is the social enterprise model, which is rooted in the UK, which is very businesslike. You know, the, mm -hmm. you know, the social enterprises that they have the social and environmental objective, but they have this entrepreneurial spirit. Mm -hmm. And then the third one, which is the community-oriented, which is embedded in cooperatives, and they have this a sense of associations, cooperatives, and so on and so forth. So you can see that there are three different discourses. So it depends where you are. People identify themselves according to what they think is better for them or what yeah. suits best for them. So it's very important what you said because at the end of the day, what we propose is like, let's integrate the best out of them and make a hybrid. And can you please tell us more about the participatory approach that you are using to co-produce knowledge with social enterprises? Yes, sure. Look, um, I think as a company or as a project, if you wish, we realized through our experience that it wasn't enough to just go there, talk to people, video record them, and that's it. Uh, we realized that there were already methodologies that integrate participatory approach in order to co-create and collaborate horizontally with the people that you work with. Hence, we came across with this participatory methodology, which is being widely practiced in academia, especially from anthropology, media studies, and so on. Not so much in the business and economic sector, because usually they tend to be more quantitative, you know, looked into statistics and so on. But nowadays you can see a lot of case studies. So we discovered this participatory approach and actually it's been very effective. And that is why in the beginning we mentioned that we developed our own methodology, which we called 
a participatory video-based social enterprise school because we are not only educated about social enterprises based about worldwide examples, but also we integrate video methods, which means we run a workshop with the communities that we work with. We do cost-effectively. Basically, we used available equipment, for instance, mobile phones or uh, you know action cameras and so on, which mm-hmm. are very expensive. And we gave them tips um, in order to improve their own video skills. So we're doing this in order first to perhaps provide them with a knowledge that we have. Mm-hmm. And secondly, we open the opportunity to let people that are involved in our projects to be more involved. So basically they participate actively. And they do because we, we allow them. It's not like we go in there and we teach you how to do things because there are people who no more than you, and already are doing amazing things. Hence, this is what I'm saying. This is a journey that you never stop learning from others. Hence, participatory video approach allowed us to work like face-to-face with them in a very collective way. They feel not like a research object, Mm -hmm. but rather like a co-researcher. We have produced tremendously amazing knowledge uh, and we've been working this especially with indigenous people and it's been very effective, especially with these kind of um, vulnerable communities because they don't feel that we extract their knowledge, but rather we leave something for them. They learn through the process and eventually we create a better relationship because it's a one-to-one work. Sorry, Learning experience on all sides. And how have you seen the social sector transform and change over the last five years? And where do you see it heading? I think it's incredible. I mean, like, seven years ago, nobody really knew what social enterprise is. When we started, we met with people who were already working on it for many years, but they were little. When we started already, we were a niche. And today we are more. And I think it's keep growing. I think what is really interesting is like social enterprise now is integrating other sectors. For instance, Mm -hmm. they're green and environmental sector, which is very important. So before, the social enterprise discourse only included, you know, inclusion, social inclusion, lack of employment and so on. But I think it's been evolving. So now we're talking about environmental, circular economy, upcycling and so on. So we are now including the environmental ingredient. And it keeps going. Now people are talking about the cultural impact that people are doing. And I think it goes on and on. So we can see how the, the sector is transforming and is integrating all the sectors. As an example of this, um, the British Council has introduced the creative economy within the social enterprise sector. So they are trying to basically make a bridge in between these two sectors. Mm-hmm. and encourage creative enterprises to integrate social entrepreneurship into their existing projects. And I think it's a really good bet. So I think it's very important. Also, you can see this transformation in, in Latin America. I mean, now uh, social enterprises are including things such as when we live, you know, new approaches to development. For instance, from the UN, they're talking about a lot of the SDGs, you know, the Sustainable Development Goals, that also are trying to integrate 
new ways to, to develop society. So social enterprises are integrating different concepts, different sectors, and I think it's evolving rapidly. So I can tell you, like, in 10 years' time, social enterprise will be very recognized. What is one piece of advice that you would give those listening who are keen to start a social enterprise? I think overall, I would say um, you have to work collectively. Alone is four or six times harder. Okay. I think my, my piece of advice for these people who are actually willing to start their own social enterprise, go out there and fish for people to work with you. You know, people who are willing to work for you and to change the world. And I mean that. Because there are a lot of people ready to do that, but they don't know how. Yeah. And I think it's very yeah. important to create a team of expertise in different areas. It doesn't mean that you have to have only professional, but also you can integrate uh, practitioners or entrepreneurs, activists, teachers, women groups, ethnic minorities, whatever. I think diversity and collectiveness are the two key to actually kick off a proper social enterprise. I mean, you can go online through existing platforms that people exchange ideas and so on. So I think my key advice is go out there and fish people, pitch your idea and, and listen to the others and, and integrate different opinions and, and collaborate in projects. Wow, that's great advice. The last question, what books would you recommend to our listeners? Wow, there are a plethora of, of different books, you know, like in the social enterprise sector, but I think the one, the autobiography of Muhammad Yunus oh, yeah. is very interesting. I think he provides really good insights. There are books that now talking about growth and degrowth by different authors and scholars. I would definitely recommend the audience to go to all the existing literature about Buenvivir, which is extremely interesting because it's rooted in indigenous Latin American societies, philosophy, and new ways to basically encounter development. Do definitely advise to go through our book because um, although it has a lot of academic discussions, it provides a lot of examples which are developed in order to reach out any audience is video-based. So through the book, you can hook up with the links to our YouTube platform. And there are excellent examples from all over the world. Um, as I said before, we, we visited more than 400 social enterprises in more than 40 countries and across the four continents. So we offered in this first book a big mapping and, and the other two books which are coming up will basically enhance what we're missing in this first book. So please go and read our book. Hence, this book, it wasn't made by us. It wasn't made by the people that are sharing their experiences. And if you want to go practical, subscribe to our MOOC. It's totally free. It's very easy. We integrate different examples from all over the world. Sounds good to me. There's a lot of resources that we can dive into. Well, Andres, thank you very much for your generous insights and time. And I hope to see you at the Social Enterprise World Forum this year in Ethiopia. Sure. <laughs> I hope to see you too, guys. And please keep up going with your excellent work. I think Impact Boom is also making a, a tremendous effort to promote the sector, you know. Thank you very much, Andres. Cool. Thanks, Nikki. Okay.
Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter. Thank you.